It really clicked for me during my conversation with Bill Ford when I realized there's something really different here. This isn't just a job. This is truly about the paving the path forward for our country, paving the path forward for the future of my kids, grandkids, and so forth, because the efforts that we, you know, this transformation and the transition to electrification is going to be so incredibly critical. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Susie Deering is the global chief marketing officer of Ford Motor Company, one of the largest automobile manufacturers in the world. She is one of the most well-known CMOs on the planet. She has an incredible story and family background that will give you an idea of how she became so successful. Susie was previously the global chief marketing officer of eBay and was listed on Business Insider's top 50 most innovative CMOs in the world two years in a row. Today, as CMO at Ford, she leads their e-commerce and digital strategies while supporting the company's vision to transform electric-powered vehicles with Ford Blue and Ford Model E, something we're all hoping goes well, and it will with Susie at the helm. I started out by asking Susie about some of her early influences that pushed her to be who she is today. One particular person is my mother and my and the second would be my grandmother. They're both very strong women. My mom was a single mom with four children and she worked and you know I watched her just with her drive and dedication to us and we never even though we didn't have a lot of money and we, you know, lived in a very low middle-class type of community, we were very blessed and very rich in, in many other ways. And so same thing with my grandmother, my grandmother had incredible faith and she was very grounded and the, the determination, just even when I was young, she was, she was running, she owned a a little shop, a little gift shop. um, When I was younger that I loved going to, she also ran companies like um, a security company for um, a good friend of ours. She also is in the wine distributing um, business and she was very smart. She was very dedicated and I had the great pleasure of being able to tag along and be able to watch her at work. And so I think that's really where it started. And when you think back and think to those great influences, both your mom and your grandmother, do you ever marvel? Because at the time they were doing these things or the time that running these businesses, I mean, it was unusual for females to really be leading the charge. Yes, it was. And it's interesting because maybe because I grew up with that being my everyday, that it didn't even occur to me that that was so uncommon until it was me, until all of a sudden I was in those environments. And I can remember later in life, you know, having conversations with my grandmother about what it was like, you know, and she was in, you know, again, in more of an entrepreneurial kind of environment. So she didn't really think of it that way either. My mom did. And my mom would tell me stories of, you know, where she had been overlooked for roles or not taken seriously. 
And I think that even in that, those cases, that helped me because just to be able to see the signals so you would know how to then kind of navigate it. But you're right. It was so uncommon. You know, and imagine me, you know, I was athletic. My siblings were very athletic. And so many a times my mom wasn't there. And, you know, people would look and think that was horrible. And yet then they would realize it was because she was obviously working. But then when she needed to be there, she was there. So you're right. I mean, it was definitely was different, but it was funny. It didn't take, it took a while for me to realize that there was something different. You know, I love the fact that seeing that really made you think or believe that, you know what, if she's doing it, it is normal. I can do this as well. And especially back then. So it really makes sense that you were able to take that and really run with that. And, you know, when you started your career as well, I mean, it was a different corporate environment, obviously, than it is today. What were your first experiences? And tell us a little bit about that and what your thoughts were early on. My first experiences, I didn't even realize they were experiences, number one. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this doesn't feel right, but it didn't It didn't occur to me that it was because I was a female and in many cases in a very male-dominated space. And early on, I can tell you sexual harassment was absolutely front and center. And I watched it all the time. The other piece was definitely not being taken seriously or the fact that there were what I call, you know, superpowers that we have as females that we get to get to use just like men have superpowers, you know, empathy, that if you showed empathy, it wasn't necessarily the commonplace for that to show up. And so there were very early signs at the age of 24, 25 years old when realizing what was happening kind of in front of me. In fact, so much so that, you know, I even watched, you know, some other negative things that that had impact of women who, you know, all of a sudden didn't have have the relationship with their husbands, didn't have the relationship with their children. And I quickly realized that's not the life I wanted. I wanted to be able to, and I was told at the age of 27 by somebody who I admired for their professionalism and strength of what her role was, she said to me, I believed I could have it all. I believed that I could be married. I believed I could have children. I believed I could still be a good sister and a good daughter and have, you know, and have a professional career. And I was told by somebody, by a female, a female executive said, said, if you think you can have it all, you're going to be really disappointed with what the outcome is. And where I think that she thought that was supposed to help kind of maybe have me pick a place, it just made me dig in more to knowing what I wanted to make sure that I could accomplish. When you think about that and you hear that, I love how to you, most people might say that's a mentor. I better choose one or the other, especially during those times, right? Because I even look back at my wife 10 years ago or 15 when we were having kids and it was almost like they told her she worked in outdoor advertising, like literally told her like, go have kids or you work here. She had to uh, pump breastfeed. They didn't understand it. But for you and going back and hearing your mentor say that, what do you think it was inside of you that instead of like choosing really drove you to say, you know what, I'm going to have both? One, I'm very competitive. So there's that piece of it. I think the other piece is what we talked about before, which is it was my mom and my grandmother because I watched they didn't have to make a choice. Now, some of that you could have said they did they they didn't have an option to make a choice because my mom was a single mother. And so that was how she had to provide for us. But 
I just believed that I could, I had it in me that I could go do this. And if there was at a point in time that I wanted something different, that was my choice to make, but it wasn't going to be a choice that I was going to let somebody else make on my behalf. And I think interesting, it kind of goes, it's interesting because in our family, we almost have the absolute kind of reverse of that that happened. I'll tell this very quick story, but you know, when my son was born, um, he was the second child and I had had complications and wasn't sure that I was going to make it through the pregnancy, you know, that he would survive and, you know, he was, bring, he was born premature. And I worked the entire time during during my pregnancy at home, I was on bed rest, but I asked if I could still work. And I worked for somebody who's a dear friend of mine and I love dearly. And he was like, absolutely. As long as, as long as it's, you're healthy for you. And so when Mitchell was born, my husband and I were sitting in having a glass of wine while the kids were taking a nap. And I said, I just wish one of us could stay home because I just feel like we've been given this incredible, precious chance. And I feel like that right now we had great, great support and everything else. But I said, I just feel like that one of us needs this time to just make sure that everything is good. And he said, I'll do it. And it was so shocking because not that I didn't think he could do it, but just he was giving up what was his professional, which he was a professional golfer, a teaching pro. And fast forward, when you think about the influences you have, I look at my son who at the age when he was in fourth grade came home and people asked it, they asked at school, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, a stay at home dad. (laughs) (laughs) He's ahead of his time. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just one of those moments that you realize that you know, we said, my husband very quickly said, that's not where you start. If that's what you choose, that's fantastic. But we're going to start somewhere else. And what I realized then was there are choices and there's impressions that get made and formed that, and that, that you can truly start to show there's not a stereotype. You have to make sure that you provide that opportunity for you to see yourself in multiple different situations and in multiple different places in your life and in your career. You know, you were driven and you climbed the ladder. And when I look at your resume from some of the companies you were uh, part of from Disney to eBay to others along the way, was there ever a time where prior to the last five years that you almost threw in the towel or was just so upset about a situation where you got passed over? Did that ever occur? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's one particular time in my career that it was a moment would have been a promotion and it was something that I personally had worked on. It was a lot of work that we had put together to restructure a significant organization. And it was a real transformation point for the business. And there had only been a handful of us that had been involved. And it turned out that as we were doing it, they then came to me and said, look, we really want you to take this role. And I was blown away because of course we were doing it. You're doing it not with not necessarily solving it for people, but doing it in the sense of what's best for the business. And so when they came back, I was like, that's fantastic. My gosh, I'm so flattered. And it would have been a really a big moment because one, being female in that position. And two, for me, I'm Native American. And so it was really, for me, I felt like that that was another big statement, you know, in a technology company to to make that that place, take that step. It was literally 10 minutes before the announcement went out that, I got the call that said we had to go a different direction. And 
I was, I mean, I was crushed and being crushed at that point in time, nobody knew. So it wasn't like it was embarrassing or anything else. It just was one of those moments of how did it get that close and how did I let it, you know, just slip away. And what was worse is I now had to report to this person. And so I will tell you, I did not act my best self. I found a side of me that I was not pleased with. And going through that experience was eye-opening for me because I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about what I needed to change. And that um, often what I took away from it was when you're in those, in those, those situations where there are decisions that have been made, I wasn't going to be able to change anything about that, but it's how you act and it's how you respond to the adversity that really makes a difference and really shows true leadership. And I didn't show true leadership. I didn't. And so from that day forward, I made a call that said, look, I've got to change and I've got to make sure that as a leader, I can, I'm going to be put into those challenging moments and I have to make sure that I'm okay, that I keep it in check because that's what's going to, that's what's going to make a difference. And that's what others see. More from our guest, but first a word from our sponsors. Ready to take your business to the next level, but need guidance and inspiration to get you there? Entrepreneur Insider can help. Our membership-based program provides insight and advice from industry experts with our exclusive benefits. And what do you get? Well, if you join today, enjoy premium articles, videos, webinars, a weekly newsletter, and an ad-free experience. Plus, get a free one-year subscription to Entrepreneur Magazine. So don't miss out. Become an Entrepreneur Insider for just $5 per month today to start boosting your business knowledge and growing your brand. Visit entrepreneur.com slash insider to unlock your access today. And we're back. Well, that I admire because that is a crushing blow, especially when deep down you understood you were the right person. You had put in the work, you had developed basically the plan, the business. I would say just, you know, in those situations, and I know it's hard for people who are as driven as you and probably perfectionist to kind of pat yourself on the back and then get upset with the way you reacted. But it sounds like that was also a turning moment for you. And first off, your ability to pick yourself off the mat. Most people wouldn't be able to. But what was it that you thought or where you were able to go there and be like, you know what, moving forward, I'm going to change X, Y, and Z. And what was it that you needed to change? Yeah, I think the um, it's interesting because what I have found... And I think was an outcome of that situation, then a couple other challenging situations being in, and especially when you're in transformation roles, which I've had the the pleasure of being in several times, your strongest attributes can also work against you. And there was at one point when we were going through, I'm an ENTJ, if you're looking at Myers-Briggs, and we were in a session, I was in a session with an executive coach. And I said, I stated that she said, well, you know, that being an ENTJ, that when you're in really tough situations, real stressful, challenging moments, things that you don't agree with, conflict, somebody challenging you from an integrity perspective or whatever the case is, be prepared because those things are your strength are going to also come back around and they're going to, they're going to create fear for you. They're going to create more defensiveness. And so it was really eye-opening to me because I realized that 
that requires me to take a very different mindset. And I, I talk a lot about this with my teams. The power of our mind and the power of the, the thoughts that you have can be crippling or absolutely endless power. It's what you choose. I couldn't agree with you more 110%. It's really incredible even sometimes day to day when you have a mindset and what happens or doesn't happen because of a mindset. And just like you said, in that same situation as an entrepreneur, you know, the same superpowers could be your biggest issues and how do you control them? And it sounds like you have been able to do that. And I want to talk now moving, skipping forward. I know there's so much that happened in between you landing at Ford Motor Company, but what was that like when you did get the call? Because Ford is, as we said, it's an, it's an iconic brand. It's one of the world's most famous brands. And here you were chosen to lead this brand as a Native American female after seeing everything you saw from those first days of being in corporate America? One, I was shocked just even to get the call. And when I heard, you know, obviously that it was Ford Motor Company, there was a moment that I was like, did they call the right person? And that's when my husband, I always channel my husband because he always says, why do you constantly go there first? And, you know, I think the part for me, one, getting the call, taking the interviews, going through the process and then getting the the opportunity. When I walked into the opportunity, the very first thing I thought was this isn't just about leading a company. This is leading this is leading a family legacy. And there was this incredible sense of responsibility. And I had said two things coming into this that looking for my next role and really what I wanted to make sure that I didn't give up on was there was two key things. One, I wanted to go to a company that had incredible purpose at the core, not one that was trying to figure out what it was, but one that really had purpose at the core. And the second was I wanted clear and strong leadership that wouldn't kick me down, but would pick me up and push me forward. And I had been too many times, again, been, you know, and even in the recent years had been in places where it was more about how many times can I kick you in the gut than, you know, push you forward. And so that was really the lens that I was looking at. And so Ford immediately checked off the purpose because it was very evident given it's the iconic nature of the brand the impact that it's had not only on America, but across our entire world, the family itself and how incredibly authentic they are. But it really clicked for me during my conversation with Bill Ford when I realized there's something really different here. This isn't just a job. This is truly about the paving the path forward for our country, paving the path forward for the future of my kids, grandkids, and so forth, because the efforts that we, you know, this transformation and the, and the transition to electrification is going to be so incredibly critical. And at the same time, there was such understanding and I think patience with the fact that I didn't have any auto industry experience. And so I think that was the moment that it realized that like, this is something really special. If I do this for, I mean, if I do it for, you know, a year or I do it for 50, maybe not 50, but maybe 30, that just to be able to have the opportunity is going to be incredible. Tell me a little bit about that because you said it checked off the boxes. And when I look at the auto industry today, there are major 
changes going on with obviously electrification of cars. And I know that Ford has actually done a lot more than a lot of other automotive companies that are out there that are getting a lot of PR, a lot of the traction. How do you make sure that you continue on that path? And also people understand because you're such a brand that's been around for so long and thinking of those first autos and the old black and white clips, how difficult or how do you go about not only changing the perception of the industry is changing perception-wise, but how do you do that for a Ford Motor Company? Yeah. It first starts with clarity around our purpose. Our decisions and the direction for our strategy that Farley, when he took, when Jim Farley took the role as CEO, was really grounded in our overall purpose as a company, which is to help build a better world where everyone is free to move and pursue their dreams. And the essence of that purpose was built into the heritage of our business. And so, but what it also gave us is clarity of where we needed to go next. And so in electrification, if you look at it, our strategy is pretty obvious. It's not, we're very forthcoming about what our strategy is in electrification. One, because we know obviously for us to live up to the purpose, this is the space that we need to start to move in that right direction, but we're going to do it authentically. We're going to do it while we don't leave anybody behind. So we want to make sure that we're democratizing electrification so that it's not just for a very niche, niche few. Again, that's in our heritage of how we opened the roads. It goes back to the $5 workday that Henry Ford put in place. And so all of those elements and and were part of us crafting our electrification strategy. And so, you know, and if you look... It also goes with the fact that we, the very first vehicle that we put put a mark on was Mustang Mach-E. And Mustang Mach-E was starting with our icons, taking a beloved, and as you said, you know, we still have the seventh generation of it. You took a beloved icon that again, breaks every barrier down globally. And we took it and we electrified it. And then we did it again with Again, the number one selling truck, we did it with Ford with F-150 Lightning. And so I think those were the things that we looked at and said, this is the path forward and it's standing for what, what we believe is the right strategy and that holds up true to our overall purpose as a company. Yeah. Talk to me just a little bit about uh, something that within the auto industry and Ford, Blue Cruise Innovation. Oh yeah. Love Blue Cruise. And this is a good one getting to kind of your your question about other, you know, other companies out there. Blue Cruise is our start of autonomy, right? So the autonomous vehicle, which, you know, is for it to come. But obviously we're all very familiar with cruise control. We now have all started to use adaptive cruise, you know, whether it's just helping you kind of maintain your lane position and so forth. But Blue Cruise is hands-off eyes on road. And we were very careful when we launched Blue Cruise because we wanted to ensure, again, the heritage of our company, creating trusted products. That's what we're also known for. People believe hands down across the globe that there is this trust and authenticity to Ford that creates this reliability. We do that because guess what? We're not going to go to the testing with our customers out in wide open roads. We're going to do the proper testing that we need to do to be ready. And if that requires us to be a fast follower, we're fine with that because we're not going to just go put technology out and just hope to God it works. And so 
even today with how we have launched Blue Cruise, which has taken off and people that start to use it, my husband happens to be one of them that he's addicted to it. Like he, <laughs> I mean, he's such a, he's so funny because I think there's times he goes and gets in his F-150 and drives just to use Blue Cruise. It's just a game changer because all of a sudden you realize I can take my hands off, I, my feet are off the pedals and I can just look and you can take in so much more because some of the other things that you've been so stressed and carry in your shoulders and everything else just melts away. So, and this is just the beginning. That is just the beginning of it. And we're doing it responsibly. It's so incredible when you think about maybe just even 10 years ago, and then you think of, you know, Blue Cruise Innovation and what you're able to do. It's mind-blowing to me. In the little time we have left, I, I, I want to ask you now with basically everything that you have gone through and the changes we've seen in corporate America, at least companies trying to change. How do you view, and not Ford, but how do you view all these changes that were to come about from you know the Me Too movement? Has there really been a lot of change within people you might talk to at other companies and businesses and other female leaders? Are we seeing those changes? Or was that unfortunately just a quick moment in time that people really looked at this? Where do you think we've gone since that first started? Yeah, so I think it put it, I think the Me Too movement specifically put it on our radar, very publicly put it on our radar. And I think highlighted something that's been there, but just hadn't surfaced in the way that, again, the Me Too movement surfaced it. But I'd also sit there and say, I don't know that I believe that that was also the right way to surface it, because I think that there's a shared responsibility as a female. And I'll take it from my my perspective, which is I own as much of the change as the others, you know, whether it's men or other women and so forth. And what I mean by that is, is that very often we, we take this very victim-like approach to it. And I don't look at it that way. I, I just don't. I look at it and go, just as in my career, where I've noticed that I, that there were things that were happening that I didn't agree with, I made a personal choice. And so I feel that as a female, we have just as much responsibility to stand up and to move forward and to hold our head high and to call things out in the right way and be authentic to who we are. Because what I think that you started to see is, is that in some cases, the behavior that started to be created was that women shouldn't be women. I will give you one example. I was told hey, you shouldn't wear dresses because you want to fit in. And guess what I did? I went and bought more dresses because I was like, oh no, I can own this, right? This is my space. What I think that, I think there is a change that's happening, but like most things, there's not a light switch on this. It's not just you turn it on and everything magically falls falls into its place. It's going to take time. And you know, like many other things that we see that are happening, you know, around us, I firmly believe that we have to constantly be training. It's like training for a marathon. Like just because you run one marathon doesn't mean you train, you can't, you don't have to train for the next. Like it's a continual learning that we're going to have to be prepared for and to be diligent with. So the takeaway for me is, yes, this is great. It's been highlighted. It got it, it broke through, got it on everybody's radar. Now, what are we doing every day to make sure that we have the spirit of creating the safe spaces that we're creating the, the hand to pull somebody up 
and push them forward, not push them down. And I think that takes every single one of us, including me as a female, to not play the victim role. I love that. It couldn't have been better said. And I want to thank you for your work and your career over the past 30 years and really trailblazing, having two daughters of my own who I know will enter, hopefully, get them out of my house one day. Uh, the I'm work, in the same position. I get it. <laughs> the workforce, just to have those opportunities that people like were yourself, it was difficult for, I think, to your mom, your grandmother, where they all came from, my mom, who just those situations, like I'm so glad it's moving in that direction, especially as a girl dad and just for society in general. So Susie, I really wanted to thank you sharing your story, coming on here, continue just killing it at Ford. Uh, Everything I read, see, just seems like you guys are really tearing it up, no pun intended. So uh, in any case, thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to meet you and, and great time to spend together. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T, T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.